Hey there, and welcome to the Confident Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Brooks. Join me as I sit down with co-hosts, friends, and carefully curated guests as we talk about all the things that empower you to become your best and most confident self so you can step boldly into who you were created to be, the confident woman. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of the Confident Woman Podcast. Today we have with us Tammy Lance. Tammy is an intuitive eating counselor, liberated body coach, and retired registered dietitian. But let's get real. She is a woman who has been where so many of us have have either been, gone, or have experienced where she was disgusted by what she saw in the mirror, desperately wanted to use food to change her, and thought joy came from the outside. Now, her vibration has completely shifted to love and joy, and she cannot wait to guide others to loving their food, themselves, and loving their life through using her signature EAT method. So we're going to talk about let's eat, right? Let's talk about all the things that really us women, I feel like, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this at great lengths today, but have gone through some some facet of of just looking in the mirror and either disliking what they what they see, not being satisfied, feeling like they have to compare themselves to looking at, you know, well, if I only change this one part by doing this one thing and and it just leads to so many thoughts that overwhelm and consume our mind and our negative space. So welcome, Tammy, because we're going to talk about that. And I'm going to let Tammy kind of follow up on that because this is really near and dear to her and her story as well. So Tammy, welcome. And if you don't mind telling us, let's get down to the nitty gritty. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, Rachel, for having me here. And I'm very excited to talk about this topic. I feel like I could talk about it all day long. <laughs> it, it's so true, right? Because it's it's not just the one thing and there's so many different facets of it. And, uh, you know, I think if we can we can look at our relationships with ourselves through it, hopefully by the end of this episode, but even more so throughout is that looking at our relationships with ourselves through food, through fitness, through nutrition as a whole, and come out with some tips and practicals to really start taking action today that really does empower the the, the woman that no longer has to look at herself with disgust, but with acceptance and just accepting where we're at today so that we can focus on becoming a better version of ourselves tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I have to just share a little bit in that I became a dietitian way back when, <laughs> lots of years ago, because I thought that was going to be the path, you know, to figuring food out and to being able to use food for my health. And I use that word use very intentionally as if it was almost like something that I was going to control so that I could control the outcome of my health and my well-being. And I could also figure out how to have the perfect body and, you know, do all the things. So I really became a dietitian to figure out the one perfect way <laughs> that everybody, you know, can eat. And then I discovered over time that there's not a single one perfect way. There's not a one size fits all when it comes to food and really even breaking away from that mentality of, using food and viewing food as something to be controlled has been actually foundational for my health beyond anything else. Yeah, it, it's, um, you know, I think for, for me, speaking of experience is that I, food was a, food was a big 
it was, it was a crutch. It was something that I used to control, but it was also something I used, um, as a, as a comfort, right? So like when things can kind of, they feel like they're getting out of hand, we turn to food. And I mean, so much of what you just mentioned right there, you know, about finding that perfect thing. And, you know, my, my book, it, uh, chasing perfection, a journey to healing fitness and self-love, how much that resonated with me, because that Mm -hmm. was, I, I was looking for the perfect, if I had the perfect body, I had the perfect life and the perfect facade and everything would be, you know, perfect. And it started with the relationship that I had with myself. It was and very unhealthy. It was actually very toxic. And I looked at food as kind of a, a, you know, a place to put some blame because I thought food got me to where I was. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I can so resonate with the emotional eating as well that you mentioned, because I feel like I kind of went through this element of, okay, I'm going to figure food out because I'm going to have all of the knowledge about it. And then it started getting into, I became a mother and I was also concerned with my kids having a healthy relationship with food because I didn't. So I was highly concerned that, you know, that they did. But then what I found myself doing was because I was just really stressed and I wasn't in tune with my body. I wasn't able to listen or anything like that. By the end of the night, it was just this unconscious eating. I don't. I'm trying to look for the right word, just as like unconscious eating mega fest. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just like this mindlessness because it, it became yeah, just, where you just, you don't think about it. It's a way to escape or numb out. Is it totally, I, totally okay. numb out, like calm down that nervous system, relax. This is finally me time, you know? And so I get to finally do what I want to do. And so there's almost this like rebellion coming out with eating. And so it, it just, it it took so many directions of unhealthiness. So not even just striving for the perfection, but then these other layers of mindless eating and these other layers of, you know, not taking care of myself in other ways and thinking that was going to be the way to take care of me. There's just so many elements along the road that when I talk to other women, I can say, yep, I relate to that one. Yep. I can relate to that one. (laughs) And they're done that one. Yes. Oh my goodness. And it's uh, like I said, I mean, I think if you, if you are a human, you probably have had either some sort of pressure or have experienced it or have at least know of somebody who has experienced, you know, some sort of disordered eating or eating disorder. And and I use those two words interchangeably because I think it's it's important to note, um, you know, with eating disorders that can come in so many different varieties from bulimia to anorexia to binging to to severe restrictions to orthorexia to I mean there's so many different different versions of like you know eating disorders but then one thing that kind of came to mind was also disordered eating it's where you have a warped perception of what is what food is and the nutrition nutritional value and the properties around it where we start to label and identify food now as good and bad healthy and 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 you know clean and uh, dirty and and junk and and like all the things that are just either this or that that you there is no in between. And I feel like if you, if we speak on those words of perfection, it was one or the other, it was an all or nothing, a black or white. And so now I presume when you started down this path of like, you know, really, really learning and understanding food from a nutritional value, from the place of a, you know, being into diet as a dietitian, 
And looking at food now for what it is, and that is nutrient for your body that your body needs to survive and thrive and get through it out the day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I have some background in, in terms of knowing and understanding clinically what eating disorders are. I mean, I was trained in knowing how to identify those in my practice, um, but it's not something I actually am certified in or, or work with women. And so I really do focus a lot more on basically everybody else (laughs) because, you know, I haven't really met another person, not very many that don't have some level of quote unquote disordered eating. And I really would like to normalize that. You know, we have this level of disordered eating just because of our culture Mm -hmm. that we have where we are taught that there's these good foods and these bad foods and there's a right way to eat and a wrong way to eat. And, you know, there's all these just rules that are set up for us. And so Anytime we start to look at those rules of what to eat or what not to eat, and we're looking outside of our own body wisdom, that basically becomes disordered eating or subscribing to diet culture or just not listening to your body or however you want to say it, but it all boils down to the same thing, really. Right. And that's having a warped perception and, and relationship with mm-hmm. food, nutrition, how it responds to you. And then when you look at your body, you 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 look at the body as the result of what is going in your body. So then it becomes this. And, and again, I'm speaking just from my own experience where it becomes a scapegoat where it was the food you know, I, I ate fats, therefore I'm fat. And that's what I see in the mirrors. I'm fat. So for me to be unfat, I have to remove fat from my diet. But then if we look at diet, you need fats because (laughs) you need it for your body, right? Fats as a woman for your hormones, for your joints, for your brain function through. Right. And so when we, we can get so much, so wrapped up in, in the semantics of the words that we lose sight of really what that is. It's just nutrients in the form of food that we consume that our body breaks down, metabolizes, utilizes, and excretes out in different areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's yes. kind of that simple, but somehow yes. we've magnified it and, you know, like the made a mountain out of a molehill kind of thing. We made a mess of it and it's kind of now the undoing. And that's where you come in and, and, you know, through your courses and programs and all the things that you're working with these women on and, and, um, you know, kind of tell us, I mean, you had your experience with this and, how did it get started? Um, take us back a little bit to to where where you kind of felt like this is where you may have developed a warped relationship with with food. Well, I would say I lived in the denial of the relationship with food for quite some time, even initially after becoming a dietitian. And I started having my children, and I thought, okay, my kids have to have a healthy relationship with food, and so. I was doing all the things to teach them how to do it and to view food as fuel and and things like that. Um, And so, you know, they, they do. However, I then at one point had some health difficulties come up in my own life. And when I started having these health difficulties and I was starting to experiment a little bit with, hmm, is there something there for food that maybe I need to eliminate something out of my diet? Or, you know, is there something there that's causing this really high upheaval of inflammation that was happening in my body? And so I started trialing this out through the guise of kind of the wellness diet, you know, the wellness trap diet is what we call it. Mm -hmm. When I did that, it literally made me crazy. I can 
remember being at a restaurant where they serve breadsticks and just drooling almost on the table of, oh my gosh, I can't have that. I can't have this. And this, this notion of restriction around, I couldn't have a, you know, particular food group or types of foods just completely spun me out of control. (laughs) Like just became so obsessive around, but I want to have it, but I want to have it. And through that was the reminder of intuitive eating and going, oh, wait a minute. I actually know about this thing called intuitive eating that I was introduced to at some point. And so at that point I dove, you know, feet first, head first, whatever, like all in my whole body, just in and was like, I need to, you know, re relook at this for myself because I've done all the things to help my kids have a healthy relationship with my, with their food and their bodies and, and such, but I really had done none of the work myself. So I dove into intuitive eating and became a certified intuitive eating counselor and received guidance from the original intuitive eating pros, had my own supervision, my own unraveling of the onion layers of all of these things. And then through helping clients with it, I really determined that, you know, the hardest part, quote unquote, hardest part is oftentimes that emotional regulation and that emotional mastery and really understanding how emotions work in our body and being able to utilize emotions as guideposts for being able to listen to the body and being able to be, you know, be a part of the body's experience and not just, I kind of lost my train of thought. So I'm just going to pause right there. No, I know what you're talking about. And you made a good point right there. And I just kind of want to put a pin in the emotional mastery, but I, I do want to come back to that. Um, yeah. but you, you had mentioned a few things in, in this, just in, in the conversation here about, you know, you, you were, you felt like you couldn't have the breadsticks. You had this like fear and this, this anxiety kind of rise up like, oh my gosh, well, if I can't have that, what does it psychologically do to our mind? It makes us want it more. Mm-hmm. And so now you start turning into like you, how, well, actually, how did you become aware of intuitive eating? Uh, or at least that phrase or terminology? Cause it's, it's not as, as it's not as popular or, is commonly known as like some of these other diets or, or or methodologies or philosophies or just some sort of an approach. So I'm curious to know how this came about for you to be like, wow, that's the, that's what works um, for that individual, or maybe I should venture down this path. Kind of, did you have experience with other diets in the past? Um, so I came across intuitive eating very abnormally, probably um, because for someone who did their clinical training, you know, almost 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago, actually, I was actually introduced to it by a professor in school, which was, is unheard of for any other dietitians who went to school at the same time that I did. Right. But I had this professor who kind of introduced the concepts of there's no good food. There's no bad food. There's just choices. Hmm. So that, that seed was planted And then again, when I was working in pediatrics and learning about food relationship for children, again, I had kind of just crossed my path of there's this thing called intuitive eating out there that's more for adults, you know, so it just, it's almost like I had just these little seeds that were planted along my journey that finally, once I needed it, I was able to look back and go, oh, wow. This this is what I have been needing all all along, and you know I've it's been just kind of there knocking at the door for me. 
Right. And so for those that may be new to the terminology, can you just kind of put it in layman's terms, like what it is and, and how how one can maybe recognize it or or kind of just lean in a little bit more to learn further about it, but and to explore it to see if it's working or if it's something right for them? Yeah, well, the original intuitive eating pros are Evelyn Tripoli and Elise Rush, and they are two dietitians who basically put together the concept of intuitive eating in the current state that it is as it being 10 principles to kind of learn how to listen to the body. But to break it down, you know, even more simply, what I always like to tell people is that basically we're all born with this ability to be attuned to our body. And it's very similar to, you know, Rachel, do you know when you have to go pee? Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, I imagine, right? Your body, right. Tells, yep. your, your body right? tells you, recognize you know, that. You have to go pee. And so there's actually that same ability within your body around food and eating and nourishing yourself is that your body can, you know, basically tell you from a very intrinsic point of when to eat, when to not eat, um, you know, and when, when to maybe move your body and what else you might need in order to be attuned with those signals. So I always tell people, you know, do you have any children in your life that, you can recognize this behavior where they have days where they eat a ton of food, then they have days where they eat very little, and then they have days where they love these foods, and then days where they don't like those foods. And that right there is just a classical sign of intuitive eating because they're just listening to their bodies and knowing how to regulate themselves, basically. So it's me re helping somebody to relearn how to connect to that inner wisdom that they already have available to them. They're just been distanced from it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? hundred percent. Yeah. And so I, I understand it, but I, I actually adapt adapted my diet and lifestyle into it to now become uh, a part of what I do on a daily. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I was very, I was introduced myself to flexible dieting, which leaned into more of intuitive eating. Um, but I know that that there's so many different terminologies and I just wanted to sum that up for those who are listening. You're like, maybe it's the first time hearing it, or maybe they've yeah, heard it, but explained absolutely. in different ways. And, and I love how you would just mention, like, it, you know, your body, you recognize is kind of like, you know, when you're going through your, your potty training, right. Your body gets used to when it has to, when it's signaled to, to excrete. And mm-hmm. so kind of the same thing. And so, um, no, I'm at the same boat where it's like one day you're just like, my body's craving vegetables. And I have to think back, I'm like, wow, probably hadn't had any in a while. And so like your body just tells you what it needs. And we have to be, as you said, attuned. And Mm -hmm. so your, your EAT method is it stands, it's an acronym and it stands for empowered, attuned and trust. Mm -hmm. And so we, we touched upon the attunement of it. Um, so having that empowered awareness and and that attuneness, you can build that trust. So if you want to talk a little bit further about the T in your (laughs) method. Yeah, absolutely. So the T of the trust in the eat method has to do a lot with understanding actually how the brain works. So it's kind of a combination between understanding emotions, but then also understanding how the brain works and understanding the subconscious. And, you know, so often I feel like as women, we just, we don't have this trust. And because I know that when I talk to women about this, about you can listen to your inner wisdom, they're like, heck no. (laughs) 
<laughs> they're like, no way. Cause my inner wisdom would just tell me to eat, you know, cookies all day long. And they're like, no way. And so, you know, they can't even visualize seeing themselves as somebody who could trust themselves. And so it's really working with the brain to redefine that identity of who they are as a person and really like rewiring the brain so that they can even trust themselves and be able to say, yes, I can do that. Mm. And that's so, so important too, right? Because I think if we're looking at reestablishing or, or just establishing healthy boundaries, healthy relationships. I think that one of the key factors, I mean, if you even take a food out of the equation, you look at your relationships with your partner, your loved ones, your family, your friends, whatever that is, there's a trust element. You're yeah. trusting that they, that they love you, that they care for you, that they're going to say, you know, do what they say and, and be there and, and reciprocate and things like that. And so again, having that trust with self works in the same manner because we can't be, you know, feeding and fueling our, our loved ones and withholding or restricting it so much so that your body's just like screaming and crying for some food that you just binge on it and then slap on that guilt and then slap on the shame and slap on another layer of self-abuse because you beat yourself up for it and you're just in this repetitive cycle. So having trust is so, so key. So I want to thank you for saying that because that I have yet to have any guests on that actually talked about the trust element, especially with food and nutrition. So that's uh, definitely one that we need to highlight on there. (laughs) Well, thank you. And, you know, we have a saying in our teaching method, which is how you do food is how you do life. Mm, You know, how we feel about food, how we practice food, how we entertain with food, how we nourish with food, all of those things can be a reflection to what else is going on in life. And, you know, just to bring it to kind of a tangible example, for example, is if you feel like. I need to control my food. Where else in life are you trying to control? Mm -hmm. Right. If you do have a lack of trust with food, where else do you have a lack of trust with yourself, with your partners, with wherever? So food to me is really a teacher. It can be a teacher in how we're experiencing life. And it just it can open us up into so many other avenues once we start looking at these patterns and these mirrors. Yes. How much I can attest to all that. Literally, that was the 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 pivotal moment in my life when I started re unlearn everything I've had to to rebuild and relearn from a place of you know food and and health and wellness and fitness. It it opened the door for so many different opportunities. And you know, you look at one area and then you start applying what worked in that area to these other areas, and you start watching your life unfold. And you know, I. I it didn't sum it up as well as you just did right there, but it was the same thing. Like I would look in the mirror and absolutely despise what I saw because I saw this, this version of me from young child to a, a young adolescent to young adult to adult. And so all these different stages that our physical body goes through, sometimes it gets ingrained in our brain about like, well, that's the version you think you continue seeing yourself as. And mm-hmm. so it develops a warped relationship with the body image, which for me was body dysmorphia. And so when I looked in the mirror and saw this, this warped version of me and I blamed it on food, didn't have a healthy relationship. The two went hand in hand. And so control and manipulation up the, up the ante and said, well, I need to tighten the grip. I need to tighten everything. Everything needs to be polished, perfect. And, and just so, because if so, then I'll have all those things in place. And all that did was rob me of the joy, the peace, the happiness, the love, 
the, uh, you know, the, the relationships of what food does, right. It brings family, it brings friends, it brings culture, it brings all of these things. Um, and, and then I used, I turned to fitness because I needed an extra layer to undo the damage of overeating or undereating. And it became the cycle back and forth, which is that perform, punish and repeat. And, and so when I recognize now, like, you know, hindsight's always our best teacher, but like looking back (laughs) at it, you realize the trust had been broken because of damages and experiences and things that were done in our life that if we don't have the trust in ourselves, the the truth is we actually don't have trust at all. We might say that we trust our partner, but it's a little bit. We say that we trust what we're doing, but it's a little bit. And so there's that rebuilding and reestablishing. And Mm -hmm. so this is why I I love what you got here with your, with your eat method, because it teaches all those facets of life. And like you had said, when you start opening the door and, and looking around and rearranging and that, and using that as the example and analogy for your food relationships, what other things are possible when you can apply the same methodology to your career, to Mm -hmm. your relationships, to you know, the next thing and the next thing, right? So there's kind of, what, what do we hear? Like seven, seven-ish domains of our lives. So when we look at social and finances and career and fulfillment and family and all that stuff, it really comes down to, like you said, power of choices and to trust and having that attunement. That means that you can now be empowered to empower others to do the same thing as well. Yep. Yep. Every single client that I have worked with, hands down, always reports that their relationships, not just with food and themselves, but with everyone else around them has improved. And more often than not, a lot of women change careers. (laughs) Yeah. Because you realize like maybe you're holding yourself back in those areas because you don't realize it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yes. I'm a, I'm a food and body coach, but people change careers after working with me, you know, just, (laughs) Well, that's really cool. But I, I think I can, I mean, like I said, for somebody who's gone, kind of gone through something very similar, I could see that because it, it opens your, opens the door for opportunities and possibilities. And then you're wondering, like, you know, I think uh, for, for us, especially us women, we're always, we're caretakers, right? It's just ingrained in, in who we are. Like we are nurturers, we're loving, loving humans that, you know, when we overcome something or if we're faced with a struggle or a challenge and we overcome it, our innate instinct is, oh my gosh, I got to help somebody. Like I, I, you know, if I did this, like somebody mm-hmm. else behind me is probably struggling with this too. And I need to go help them. And so how many, I'm curious to know, if just from your own experience, how many of your clients have now kind of taken what they've learned from you and now gone out and, and empowered themselves to go empower others in helping them overcome their relationships with food, health, nutrition, and all that stuff. I don't know if anybody directly has, but I can say that we've had, and I say we, because I share my business with a business partner. (laughs) So I say we by habit, but we have had many people come in who are, you know, therapists, healers, coaches. And so I know that they're bringing these elements, you know, into their work there, but in terms of they completely pivoted into becoming a food and body coach or anything like that. I'm not sure about that. But I can say that I know that it ripples out, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Into their children, into their loved ones, even if it's just passively and not actively saying, I want to help you. Yeah. It it really does, you know, ripple ripple out into the world. And that's truly, truly what warms my heart. 
Absolutely. And that that's where you just know, like the, the giving back and, and, you know, paying it forward from the next person who learns, it's like, okay, I'm going to help the next person, the next person. And so it's just, it's, um, you know, I think it's a really cool way just to give back and look, look at it as, okay, well, if I was able to overcome, then I can now have the tools and resources to help the next person, but more importantly, establish the foundation so that you have everything you need to continue this path throughout your journey so that you Mm -hmm. kind of don't fall back into those old ways and old habits, because, you know, as much as we can unlearn, we kind of still have that muscle memory where if left to our own devices, we're going to kind of revert back to our default settings. And it's just, it's just, it's just who we are, right? Like you can be, you can do something, you know, like, you know, I'm using quotes because I hate labels, but bad for Mm -hmm. so long. And then, you know, let's just say it's like five years and all of a sudden now you're at 20 years of good, but yet your default could still revert you back to that bad because it's that comfort zone. It's easy. It's complacency. So I want to learn more about um, your emotional mastery that you touched upon and kind of just highlighting and sharing what that is. So if you want to uh, talk to our listeners and just share um, what what exactly is emotional mastery? Yeah, and I, I would love to answer that. But before I do, I wanted to touch on how you were talking about how we can so easily revert back because mm-hmm. that's actually something that we also focus on teaching is really understanding again, the brain and understanding how habits work Mm -hmm. so that we don't necessarily just revert back and fall back into habits. So understanding the brain and understanding how habits come from the subconscious is a huge part of of what we teach. And then we kind of layer that with the emotional mastery of recognizing that our emotions are our guideposts. Our emotions are teaching us about what's happening here in the world. So for example, if you find yourself getting angry about something, it can be whether it's out in the world or with a spouse or with a kiddo or you know whatever it is, if you're finding yourself getting angry, that can be a signal that there's a subconscious value that's really important to you that's kind of being rubbed up against. You know, there's something there that's in that subconscious layer of the brain that's saying this is, this is bothering me and this is why. And so we learn how to really work with those emotions and learn how to see the emotion, identify the emotion and not necessarily become the emotion. So we really invite our clients to take a step away from saying, I am angry. And instead we say, I feel anger, right? Mm. So disassociating that like we are anger. That's, that's not a true statement, right? We can just say that we feel anger. So that's kind of the first step is like taking yourself as a a distance away from it, but then also naming it, honoring it, and then really utilizing that to say, what is it that I need right now in this present moment? What is happening for me right now that's contributing to this feeling? And so it's kind of a way to self-support and self-nurture yourself is when you can really have that availability to look at those emotions because I can tell you, Rachel, I spent a good adult portion of my life just being on emotional shutoff, just kind of autopilot and not even having emotions. I'll just keep, people want me doing stuff. So I'll just keep doing things. Yes, yes, yes. I'll do it. Sure, sure, sure. Let me add this to my day. No problem. You know, 
So there was just no even availability for emotions. So does that answer your question? It does. And and I'm glad that actually you brought that up because I think for, you know, for, for me, I'm sitting there like nodding because I'm like, oh, I can relate to, to so much of that. And it's the disassociation and the numbing out or shutting down. So either mm-hmm. you, you kind of remove yourself from the situation or, or whatever you're experiencing, or you go all in. And that's kind of sometimes where you're looking back and like, oh my gosh, look at the mess I made because, you know, kind of like a painter, you just don't know when to stop like that one extra dab or stroke or whatever. And then you step back and oh my gosh, I ruined the painting (laughs) where it's kind of having that, that, that self-control. And so like you were saying about having that, the emotional mastery allows you to have an overview and take responsibility of how we're speaking about ourselves. Like the, I am, uh, you know, I am hungry or I am upset or whatever that is. When we put that, I am statement in front of your, your, your verbiage, you become that. And we all know that we're not a physical form of hunger. We're not a physical form (laughs) of, of manifestation or emotions manifested into reality. It's now you're saying, I feel hungry. I feel upset. I feel triggered. I feel bored. I feel emotionally drained. And so recognizing that feeling now takes us off the hook from the action of feeling upset. I binge. And so having that cause and effect in the correlation between the two allows us to, to redefine and flipping the script and now just accepting, okay, yeah, I, I physically feel hungry. I physically feel upset. Like, and so now how it manifests throughout our body. And I, and I love that you talked about that because sometimes we don't recognize we're so on autopilot that the words just come out of our mouths and we go through the motions each day. And that's kind of why I say we, we revert back to that default setting. So if we don't have the tools to correct it ahead of time, we could find ourselves taking those steps back in, in prolonging that the progress of what we have been making to, you know, furthering the journey a little bit, a little bit harder and a little bit longer at times than we'd rather like. Um, but I think that's such an important uh, thing to note is, you know, having that emotional mastery, being in tune, because if we're shifting our perspective away from fe- like food fears and anxieties into intuitive eating, the intuitiveness is that self-awareness and the self-discipline and the self-control that comes through managing our emotional mastery. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. Beautifully so good. Beautifully said. I'm like, I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> All right, we're done. We're done here. <laughs> no, but it's so good because I love how you're connecting the pieces for, for those that are listening who are just like, I have no idea what the hell she's talking about. I don't know what this intuitive stuff is and emotional mastery. I, I don't even feel anything. And a glass of wine, I feel nothing. I'm great, right? right and so right. that's kind of the tuning out. So. Yeah, yeah. And I also want to highlight too that we are emotional beings. Right. I think there's an element within our society that says we're supposed to be on the corner of happy and healthy at all times. And it's almost like, you know, if you're experiencing anger, that there's something wrong with you, Mm -hmm. you know? And so again, just want to normalize that, that if you're experiencing anger, if you're experiencing upsetness, if you're experiencing whatever other emotion, it's normal, you're human, you're meant to experience all these emotions and whatever the emotion is, it's, it's there for a reason. It's there to guide you. It's there to show you something. So I just want to normalize that you're allowed to have emotions. You don't have to be happy all the time. Right. And okay. So I'm just kind of pulling some, some of my own questions here is what happens if you don't even have words for what you feel? And this was something that was newer to me when I first got started. Cause I was like, I don't even know what this is. It's just right. And you're trying to put words behind it, but yet 
you know, somebody who's kind of just newer to this, and maybe they just feel like they're always on edge and they don't even have a word for that. And so what are some of the, what are some of the emotions that your, your students are coming to you with? And maybe they don't, they're not advanced yet where they can be like, wow, now I can place a word for that thing that now results in that other thing that I'm doing. So mm-hmm. what are some of the common emotions? What are the, the common kind of, um, you know, resistance that one would be feeling if they're coming into your program? Well, I want to say that, again, that would be a very normal thing to happen (laughs) is because when we start learning about these things, our brain instantly wants to like cognitively make sense of it, right? Our brain is on this mission to always make sense of everything. And so if someone tells you you're supposed to be able to have feelings, (laughs) you know, (laughs) brain will be like, okay, what's the feeling? What's the feeling? What's the feeling? And so it's okay not to be able to name the feeling or to, you know, have a word for it. And what I would do in that situation, rather than calling out what it may or may not be for that person, I would actually just invite them to start experiencing their body and noticing you mentioned kind of this feeling up in the shoulders or this Mm -hmm. tightness. And so we would really kind of drop more into the body and start to experience the body and say, where is it showing up? Where is their tension? And what can I do to maybe start to relieve some of that tension? And so that can be through breath work, through journaling, through tapping with uh, the emotional freedom technique, tapping. There's a lot of different methodologies that we use for helping people when they're experiencing that feeling, but maybe they don't know what it is. Right. Oh, I love that. And that's, uh, it's so helpful too, because uh, again, like when I, when I first started, I didn't have words for things. I didn't even know that feelings and emotions were actually tied to each other. Mm-hmm. I thought they were like two separate things because we, we learned to compartmentalize mm-hmm. like what mm-hmm. you feel you're not supposed to express. So you just stuff it down. So you right. don't know what that, what, what, what you just stuffed down. You don't even know like, that feeling because you're saying like feelings are different, but they weren't interchangeable. And so, you know, when I, when I kind of was coming to and starting to feel these things and, and figuring out what worked for me, journaling was huge. Uh, breath work was huge. Meditation was a huge game changer. And, you know, all these different tips and layers, as you're saying the layers, because it, it's so important to realize there really is, you know, and I'm going to knock like that, that, that saying one size fits all or the one thing, right? So we can't just master one thing. We're, mm-hmm. we're multifaceted creatures that we may excel at one thing better than something else in a different area. And, you know, then excel at another one thing and another one thing, but you start seeing the one things as layers and compounding over time. And so I would say consistency compounded over time yields results. So as you're consistently showing up and doing the work and peeling back layers and, and focusing on one step in front of each other, you start seeing the, the, the stepping stones mapped out and laid out in front of you. And that's what Tammy is, is really just highlighting. All those stepping stones are there. Sometimes it takes us to undo or unlearn or just kind of just accept like that presence of acceptance. You can start seeing these stones in front of you and you're like, oh my goodness, it becomes so much easier because we're taking off all that heaviness and the undoing and the unlearning over all these years that we've, 
you know, been conditioned, whether it's through ourselves, through others, through culture, society, the expectations, the pressures, all these things. And especially, you know, speaking woman to woman, we have those unmet expectations and pressures to, to be a certain way, to look a certain way, to act a certain way. And we're just over here like, but we want to be human. And so it could create a little bit of conflict. And what happens with conflict, we can actually be shut down as well. And it becomes emotions and we turn to our vices. And that could kind of just lead us back to where we are. So if anyone is listening and recognizes that, hey, maybe you're in that kind of sticking point, know this, you're not alone. Like this, this is very common. You're always going to have setbacks before any sort of a comeback. And you can't get traction unless you you've been stuck right so we need that the momentum behind you to build that traction to keep moving forward and that's this is what you do inside your your eat your eat method but what are what are some other ways that um you know through you mentioned you and your team and and just mm-hmm. i know that there's so many different things that you offer women who are just at different stages and like maybe it's not about the food maybe i just want a better relationship maybe i just want to know how to feel more more freedom and presence is that something that they can come to you as well oh absolutely absolutely i mean that's a big part of what we actually focus on is learning how to find that peace from within And I am just such a big fan of two things. So you mentioned journaling. That's a big element, I would say, in my practice personally. And also, you know, what I guide people through is because people will be writing and then all of a sudden they'll write something and they'll be like, where did that come from? Right? (laughs) I didn't even know that was in was in me. Whoa. You know, they have these really big revelations and ahas and then we get to talk about it. So that's definitely one of my favorite. And then my other method is really just being around other women who are wanting the same thing and who are wanting to kind of break free and and unlearn and, and do all of these other pieces. Because when we're surrounded by a community, our nervous system actually starts to change. So chemical makeup of our body changes just by being in coherence with other women who are desiring the same thing. And so I'm just a really, really big fan of peer-to-peer support and just being supported because I just don't believe anybody needs to go on this journey on their own. There is no badge of honor that says, I can do this by myself. It, there's, it's just not there. Like, find your people, whether it's me or somebody else, find your people. Exactly. And anyone who knows that if they had that badge of honor doing everything by themselves, then you wouldn't be where you're at right now, right? Because our own way of thinking limits us. So we're only we're only taught to a certain level. And for us to get to the next level, we need to find somebody who's smarter, who's done it before, that we can mentor or learn or be coached by. So we kind of have to get out of our own way and just, you know, step out and be like, listen, I know that this would be like an investment into myself, or this is just an opportunity to advance, you know, career wise or, or personally. And so we got to look at it from a place of this isn't just, you know, like, you know, must be nice or, or if time allows, or if I get to it, it's about putting yourself as a priority and changing the trajectory of where you're currently at. And I always say, you know, when you're ready for change, when you're getting to that point where it's just like, I'm just sick and tired of being sick and tired and I need something different in my life. And that's the moment you choose. That's the moment you say today is the day I'm doing something different. And that's the start of your journey. That's the start of saying yes to you. And so how, how do you, how do you navigate around that with some of your ladies who are just like, 
yeah, I don't know if I'm in the right place. <laughs> so, you know, I, and I've, I've heard it too from, from past clients. And, and I think even as me, when I was a student embarking on my health and fitness journey, I was just like, I straight up said to my coach, like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to fail you because I failed myself and you're no, nobody different than, you know, the next person. And it was just kind of like, I went in with that defeatist mentality, because I think if you are just getting started, you look at your own track history and say, well, it didn't, I didn't succeed and I didn't do well. It's because we can only go as far as our own thinking and logic can advance us to go. Yeah. Yeah. I always say if it was going to work, it would have already worked. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, here's the thing is for us, at least for women who feel like, Hey, this would be an opportunity. This is someone who I've been looking for because I am done doing food the way I have done food. Right. And I'm done feeling like awful and disgusted when I look in the mirror. Like if that's the person, my business partner, Beth Basham and I, the program that we run, you know, we are so confident that we can help women that we actually offer a money back guarantee in terms of, you know, if you show up and you do the right work and you are the right, the ideal person that we generally work with, we guarantee that you'll have a significant improvement in your life. Otherwise, you know, talk to us three months, four months down the road and we'll, you know, go down that road and that's never happened. So just kind of having that level of confidence, I feel like oftentimes tells people, okay, they're that confident. I guess I'll try this. (laughs) Right. And I just say, there's no pressure, you know, because I also know that if I tell you, you have to do it, the rebel in you is going to come out and say, no, I don't, you know? And so I'm just like, nope, you don't have to do it. This is hundred percent your choice. You have full autonomy over your experience. I am your guide and I am here to support you. And how does that feel to your body? And more often than not, the body is like basically almost rising and saying, please help me. But it's just kind of our brain keeps us from actually hitting the go button and saying, yep, I'm going to do it. So it's really listening to that guidance from the body. Yeah. And, and I love that you have that guarantee because how much more at peace does that give your potential clients at that time who may have be maybe on the fence and be like, I don't know if this for me, they're all tight. Like, you know, I just, I'm just tired of where I'm at and you're probably going to fail me too. And blah, blah, blah. Right. But when you can offer them such a guarantee, it brings that peace of mind. It relaxes the body right away. And right there, it's just, that's a win. You just already won before you even got started. So it's kind of like that, that dopamine hit that says, wow, I just, I just advanced like, okay, there's another thing that I'm, I'm already called to do. And so it puts that at ease getting started is easy, then it's just the sustaining of the, that constant momentum and that win that they've already got from the get-go. So I love that you offer that guarantee because it, it's uh, it's so true because how many times do we, we kind of feel like it's, it's the, it's obviously the work of the student to do the work, to get the results. And it's not on the expectation just because you paid somebody as a coach or a leader that they will do the work and get the results for you. It's about being hungry enough to get the results, set yourself free and start creating a life that you absolutely love. And that, you know, finding the joy and the peace and the love that's all within instead of seeking externally. So hands down, this is incredible. This is, uh, I love, I love the program that you offer. Um, and of course we're going to share all that in the show notes and, uh, you you know, putting people at peace, right. Literally and figuratively it's giving a peace of mind and peace, peace to go at life. 
on their own terms. And I think, um, you know, from somebody who has kind of gone through a similar struggle, um, you know, it, it was all about finding that freedom within the freedom to trust yourself, to eat the food choices that you truly love and love what you enjoy eating and, and, and having that quality of life that we feel like that if we are very restrictive, that that's how tightly we're holding on to our life, the fear of losing control or losing it. But mm-hmm. all we're doing is preventing us from actually living the tighter we grip. So, yeah, absolutely. And I want to just say, Rachel, that, you know, we've talked about a lot of things today. And so I imagine that listeners may or may not be thinking, wow, this is really complicated and this is really hard. And I just want to say that none of it has to be hard. And there's only, you know, two things, in my opinion, that people need to basically get started on this journey to peace and freedom and joy and love. Right. And number one is they just need courage, Mm -hmm. courage to say, okay, this interests me. I'm willing to do this, whatever that looks like. They they just need the courage. And then they just need the commitment to say, I'm going to take some time for myself, even if it's an hour, two hours a week. I mean, it doesn't have to be a ton, right? So it's courage and commitment and that's all you need. And then, you know, we'll just guide you on the rest. (laughs) So basically that's what you need. (laughs) So to sum it up, you got to say yes to you because if you're on the fence and just saying, I can't do this another day, I just hate what I see in the mirror. I can't keep living every day doing the things that just aren't getting me the results and I'm miserable. I'm stuck. I'm just not my best self. If that's you and you're kind of struggling, reach out to Tammy. We're putting all of her information in the show notes check her out. And I know that you have an incredible community of ladies as well. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So we have a free Facebook group that women can join to kind of get to know us more, you know, get a little bit of tangible tips beyond even what we have offered here. And that is the beyond intuitive eating it's liberated food and body community. So that is the name of the the free Facebook group. If you'd like to just jump in there and, and check that out. And then if you want more immersive support and you're already screaming, yes, I think that's absolutely what I want to do. Um, you can reach out to me. I don't know if I have provided you this link or not, Rachel, but I'll make sure to get this to you. Is you can apply to be a part of our more immersive program, Peace with Food and Soul. Mm. Yeah. And if you're just questioning or, or not even sure where to begin, message Tammy. And of course, you can always message her. And what what's your what's your favorite hangout place on social media? Well, probably Facebook. I I practice checking Instagram. So I do get on there, but I do messages from time to time because I'm not the best at it, but I am getting better and better every day. <laughs> awesome. And that that's the progress, right? Day by day, we we move a little bit closer to where we want to go. Um, mm-hmm. But if, if you're on the fence or just curious and just want to gather some more information or reach out, shoot Tammy a message or even shoot myself a message. I'd be more than happy to connect with Tammy. And, uh, you know, we just always want to get the, get you to where you want to be. And, and, you know, this, this is your journey, your life. We're just here to help guide and facilitate that. And whatever that looks like to you, we wish you all the best and we're doing the best we can here. And we just want to be of support. So of course, all the information will be in our show notes. And Tammy, if you have any last words of sage advice on anything you want to leave our listeners with? (sighs) I, I don't think so. Just, you know, thank you so much for the opportunity of being here to talk about this and just, yeah, say yes to you, my friend, whoever is listening. So, you know, much love to everybody who's out there. And yes, I hope everybody has a most awesome day. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. 
Hey there. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of the Confident Woman Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did, please be sure to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening.